0: Hello, and welcome to the Clearfork Community Church podcast. Our hope with this podcast is that you would be encouraged by the weekly teaching from God's Word, not just on Sunday mornings, but every day of the week. To learn more about Clearfork Community Church, go to clearforkchurch.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Church. Now, let's jump into this week's message. It is a joy to be with you this morning. If this is your first time, We are so glad that you're here. Thank you for trusting us with your Sunday morning. And uh, our prayer is that you would sense the Lord speaking to you through his word this morning. If you have not been tracking with us, we are in the middle of a series called The Journey. Okay? Um, I'm going to throw an image on the screen here. Uh, It starts with the gospel. Right? We believe that every Christian both with profession of faith and baptism. These are one-time events, but the rest of this compass is the journey that we, are, that we believe every Christian is on. And we would encourage you to look at this picture and evaluate, God, where, where am I? And God, through your spirit, what might you guide me to in my next step? You can be in more than one of these at the same time, um, Because it's a journey. Sanctification is not up and to the right. Being made holy in our relationship with Jesus is not up and to the right. And um, so this is what we would call every person at Clear Fork to consider. Um, And any Christian. Like, hey, where are you and where might God guide you in your next step? So when my wife and I first got married, one of our favorite trips uh, was to Yosemite National Park. Anybody been there? Beautiful, right? And we got to go to Mariposa Grove, which is uh, an area where there's a lot of sequoia trees. Anyone seen a sequoia tree? Here's a picture of one up here. Um, What's interesting about them, they grow up to about 350 feet tall. So you would would assume that, man, these roots are probably really deep to, to hold them up. And that's actually not true. Their roots are only six feet deep. And uh, they actually intertwine roots with other trees to hold themselves up. They only grow in thick groves to withstand high winds and raging floods. They don't survive alone. They provide each other with strength and support through their intertwined roots. They um, rely on each other to be nourished and cared for. They share the nutrients required to sustain and live through being rooted to each other. Um, And what's interesting is you will never see an isolated Sequoia tree because they they exist and survive together. And the same is true of us as human beings. We are better together. Together we can withstand high winds and raging floods in life. We don't survive alone. We provide each other with the strength and support that we need. And we rely on each other to be nourished and cared for on this journey with Jesus. So today we are going to be talking about living in biblical community. The biblical call to community in the local church and how community is an essential part of the Christian life. We were made for relationships, and we were made for community. I really believe that the best thing that I can do for each of you this morning is to show you the biblical blessings of being committed to community in the local church and the beauty of what this brings to our lives. The truth is the quality of our lives is the quality of our relationships. And um, before I dive into the passage, I want to bring clarity to you guys on our current reality um, here in America. So this was a survey done by Lifeway Research. Some interesting statistics of what Christians believe about community in the church. So 47% of Christians, people in the church, believed this statement, 47%. So I can assume half of this room agrees with this statement. I intentionally spend time with other believers in order to help them grow in their faith. Half of this room agrees with that statement. 65% of people in the church that were surveyed agree with this statement. I can walk with God without the help of other believers. I love this image here. Uh, Borrowed this from Jerry Bridges' book, Disciplines of Grace. There's this image of a statue of a man who is fixing himself. He's got a hammer and a chisel on himself. We live in a self-reliant, individualistic society where we are the people solving our own problems and creating our own holiness in our walk with Jesus. And guys, that's just not biblical. The Holy Spirit is the primary agent in driving us in holiness, and we need the help of others in our lives to grow in our relationship with Jesus. Here's another um, picture of a Newsweek uh, cover page from a few years ago. It says, forget the church, follow Jesus. This is what many people believe is okay to do. And I'm here to tell you, the scripture does not line up with that. It just doesn't. Um, That's like saying, hey, uh, I want to invite my friend, but her wife, I'm going to tell him her wife can't come. You can't choose Jesus and not his family. You can't choose to follow Christ and not choose the people of Christ. Proverbs 16.25 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Um, Some additional statistics. Guys, we live in an epidemic of loneliness right now. More than ever in history, people are disconnected, and mental health issues are at an all-time high in history. Um, U.S. Surgeon General, Dr. Murthy, he's essentially the nation's doctor. He is paid by the government to evaluate the highest concerns in America. America and last year he wrote an 82-page report on his concerns of disconnection and loneliness in America lacking social connection can increase the risk for premature death as much as smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day loneliness and social isolation increase the risk of premature death by 26 and 29% respectively And none of this should surprise us because God has created us for relationships, not just shallow 10-minute conversations on Sunday, but he's created us for deep, meaningful relationships in his church. All throughout the scripture, I want to show you, beginning with God himself, that we were made for community. God Himself is communal. Genesis 1 26. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Guys, before creation, I love the song we sang. With no point of reference, God has always existed in the Trinity, lavishing His love on the Son through the Spirit, like we see when Jesus is baptized. God has always existed in in community. It's in his very nature to be communal. God created us for community. Before the fall, this is before sin comes into the world, Genesis 2.18, says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. If that is true before the world had sin in it, how much more true is it? In a broken world, desperate for hope in Jesus, desperate for relationships, how much more do we need others in the broken world we live in today? God transforms us in community. Ephesians 4.15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Jesus is the head of this church. He is the one we are being discipled by. He is the one who we are being matured into. He is the one that we are growing toward in maturity in Christlikeness. We are blind to our blindness. Do I have any fellow road bikers in the room? Anyone ride bikes? Raise them high. A few. Great. Hey, I started riding bikes about two and a half years ago. Um, With a good friend of mine, and uh, we were coming up on a real dangerous highway in Benbrook. That's just got cars coming at least sixty-five miles an hour. Um, This was the first time I ever clipped in to to go on a fifteen-mile bike ride. Okay, I had never done this before, and um, the guy I was riding with, um, as we're approaching this busy highway, he said, "Hey." Just a heads up. This is the most dangerous part of the ride. Okay, you're going to have debris flying at you. You're going to have cars passing you on your left at sixty miles an hour. Every time a car is coming, I'm going to say "car back," and we're going to have to call out potholes when we see them. So he is making me aware of what I'm blind to. Why? Because he loves me. He knows I'm new to this, and. Um, Guys, we need people to help us see our blind spots. So my question for you is, um, who are the people in your life that you have to warn you? Do you have anyone who can tell you or call out the potholes in your life? And uh, consider that. Specifically in the local church, among the faith of God, um, 59 plus one-anothers of Scripture. All throughout the New Testament, we see the one-anothers of Scripture actively being communicated. How can you do that without community? Um, we cannot grow in our faith in isolation, and we need others around us to help us mature in Christ. So isolation actually hurts us more than helps us. Proverbs 18, 1 says that whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out against all sound judgment. If you kind of read that, the anti of that verse, whoever does not isolate himself doesn't seek his own desire and does not break out against all sound judgment. I don't know about you. I don't want to break out against all sound judgment. I don't want to be that guy. And I know that you probably don't either. So I want to, I want to just biblically define Uh, biblical community. I'm going to read this twice. Um, So this is how we would define it. A committed group of deep Christian relationships, submitted to the authority of a local church, committed to growing in Christ's likeness, encouraging each other, caring for and exhorting one another, and making Christ known to a lost world. I'm going to read it one more time. A committed group of deep Christian relationships, submitted to the authority of a local church, committed to growing in Christ's likeness, encouraging each other, caring for and exhorting one another, and making Christ known to a lost world. If you are a member here at Clear Fork and you are in a missional community group, this is what we are calling you to be. This is what we are calling you to be and I just want to be clear, community is not an end in and of itself, but it is the primary means that God uses to bring us to the feet of Jesus and to grow us in Christlikeness. So if you have your Bibles, um, turn with me to Luke chapter five. We are going to see a picture of biblical community. It's an excellent narrative to show us What biblical community looks like. Um, And uh, so I'm going to read the passage, pray for our time together, and dive into the text. So read with me Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. Jesus heals a paralytic. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and judea and from jerusalem and the power of the lord was with him to heal and behold some men were bringing on a bed a bed a man who is sorry a bed who a bed a man who is paralyzed and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before jesus but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd they went on the roof and let him down With his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier? to say your sins are forgiven you, or to say rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Heavenly Father, um, God, I just pray that your spirit would speak in each individual's heart this morning. God, I pray for those who long for relationships. I pray that you would provide um, Groups to welcome these individuals. God, I also pray for the individuals in the room who have had terrible experiences in community in the church. I pray that you would heal those wounds. Pray that you would provide courage for these individuals to fight to trust you again in the provision you have made through your people. God, I pray that um, you would move in the hearts of those today through your gospel, through your spirit. And draw people to yourself and to community that points to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So Luke 5, 17 through 19, we see the people of Christ. The people of Christ. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Let me paint a picture of what this looks like in that room. Multiply the amount of people in this room by five. Pretend like you're walking into a sold-out concert for Taylor Swift. There is no way to get to the front, okay? General admission, we're all on the floor. It's packed out that much, where you can't even walk by to get to the front. This is what that house looked like. And all of a sudden, there is hammering on the roof, tiles falling down in front of Jesus in the middle of him teaching, right? And they let down this paralyzed man on a mat. Um, So two things are true of every healthy community of believers. If you are a believer in this room, I strongly encourage you to really pay attention to this. And uh, I, would a- I would ask you, do you experience this in your community of friends? Um, two things are true. You have people on the mat in need of spiritual healing. Those who humbly admit their need and care for Jesus. And you have people who carry the mat. Those who lovingly care for those in need. And point them to Christ. In this story, we have both. And I want to look at both of their responses. So both the paralytic man was admitting his need for Jesus. And the four men were committed to taking him to Jesus. So let's start with the response of the man on the mat. So what we can assume is that this man who was paralyzed trusted these four men. In Mark chapter 2 we see the same story where we see there are four men who are carrying the mat. So that's where I'm getting that from. Um, he, he trusted them. I mean, imagine scaling the upside of a building, being paralyzed, laying down. I mean, I don't know how they did that. There had to be engineering involved somehow to get this guy up there. I mean, think about that. Um, he had to totally trust them. He was totally dependent on these men safely getting him to Jesus. So there had to be relational trust um, that had formed uh, before this moment. He was also vulnerable, honest, and authentic. There came a point where this man humbled himself and admitted his need for healing and decided that Jesus was the solution. Proverbs 12.1 says that whoever hates reproof is stupid. Proverbs 15.5 says Whoever heeds reproof is prudent, is wise. To, to define reproof, it, it, it means to be rebuked or corrected. That's what that means. Um, and to heed means to pay attention to or take notice of. So you don't always have to take it as gospel truth, but to at least listen and consider what's being brought to you. Um, this man did not hate reproof, but humbly admitted and agreed that he needed Jesus. This man had the humility to trust these men and to ultimately trust Christ. So I just want to pause for a minute and just ask you, um, when that day comes for you, when others need to carry you on the mat, who will these four men or women be? And if those four names don't come to mind, I would just encourage you identify those people, pursue community somewhere. It does not have to be here at Clear Fork, but God intends so much more for you. Who knows you intimately? When your marriage is on the rocks, when you have a medical diagnosis, when tragedy shows up on your front door, when you lose your job, to whom will you go? who will carry that with you? Our heart as a church is that you would have others in your life committed to carrying these burdens with you. Galatians 6.2 says that we bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So now we have the response of the four men. Uh, sorry about that. So So... I skipped my notes. How do we respond in necessary reproof? Um, Do we have a spirit yielded heart? Are we trusting? I'm going to throw a chart up on here. There's kind of four quadrants. There's willing to be shepherded, and then there's unwilling to be shepherded. My prayer would be that everyone at Clearfork would be the in the top two. So in the first quadrant, this is the new believer, someone who is learning their Bible. They don't know what God's word says, but they're willing to obey it, right? Hey, I don't know what God's word says, but just point me to what Jesus would call me to, and I want to obey it. We have the second quadrant of willing to be shepherded. My prayer would be that this is the elders here, the staff, and all of the key leaders, the leaders of groups, um, that willing to be shepherded is knowledgeable of God's word and willing to obey. I know what God's word calls me to, and I am humbly willing to obey it. And then we also have people who are unwilling to be shepherded. Knowledgeable of what God's word says, but unwilling to obey it. Jesus tells us, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And um, then we have unknowledgeable of God's word and unwilling. Hey, I don't really care what God's word says, and I don't want to follow it. And these people exist, guys. And I would ask you where, do you, where do you place yourself on this chart? Where would your community group place you on this chart? What would others say about your willingness to come under the authority of God's word? I would challenge you to consider that. What we know about this man on the mat is he was willing to be shepherded. He knew God was the solution and he was willing to be taken to Jesus. So this man had humility um, as he uh, ultimately trusted these men to take him to Jesus. So then we have the four men uh, carrying the mat, right? This is the next uh, portion of this point. Luke 5, 19 says, but finding no way to bring him in Because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. These men had to commit at a cost to get him to Christ. Christian, Clearfork member, that's our call too. We are committing at a cost to bring the gospel to others to share Jesus with others in our jobs, in our family, in our neighborhood. Something else to notice here is that these men were a part of the solution, but they were not the solution. They didn't try to fix him. They didn't try to say, hey, have you tried this? Hey, have you tried that? Hey, this tip and trick. Hey, look, all those are helpful, but at the end of the day, The Holy Spirit is ultimately the miraculous work that will happen in us. Um, We must be men and women of faith who point toward Christ and get out of the way because they're gonna be following someone and you better point them to Jesus immediately because we are not the ones they're following. We point them to Christ. They are apprenticed to Christ, okay? Okay. Um, and there were obstacles, right, to these men bringing him to Jesus. By faith, they knew that Jesus was the only solution. They were not trying to fix him. Do, do you think that this took time? I mean, was this convenient? Did these four men have anything selfishly to gain from doing this? No. No. Their collective faith brought this man to Christ. The same is true of us. My prayer is that in our community groups, we would be praying for those who are not saved and have faith that Christ can save those who are furthest from him. Look at Paul. Jesus can save anyone. I don't care what they've done. I don't care what they're addicted to. I don't care how often they run back to it. Our God is bigger than that. These men by faith knew that putting this paralytic in front of Jesus was what needed to happen. Um, the same will be true of us as it pertains to obstacles. There will be inconveniences. There will be scheduling conflicts. There will be canceled lunches. There will be canceled coffees. There will be sick kids and families in need. But to know Christ is to know our commitment to the people Christ. And that's what these men did. Galatians 6, 9 says to do good to everyone, especially of those of the household of faith. There's a biblical priority to caring for those among the household of faith of God. Um, Verse 20, the saving power of Christ. And when he saw their faith, the four men, when he saw their faith, He said to the man on the mat, man, your sins are forgiven you. So what's interesting is we can kind of read, it doesn't say it explicitly, but these four men already had faith in Jesus before they did what they did. And guys, Jesus is just fulfilling Luke 4.18, where it says, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. He is bringing liberty to this captive of a paralyzed man. Christ has come to set us free from eternal damnation. He has come to set us free from eternal separation from God. If you are here today and you have not placed faith in Jesus, I want you to know that this is the most important part of the message. God existed outside of time before creation Loving his son Jesus and sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life, to die the death that you deserve. We were in perfect fellowship with God, but because of the fall, there has been a separation between us and God. And God came to us in the form of a baby, and his name was Jesus. He lived a perfect life, he died on the cross so that we can be restored in relationship to God. And I just want to be clear, this is not just a transaction. A transactional gospel is weak. It is not the whole gospel. The gospel is transformational, not transactional. It's not just a get out of hell free card. But God makes his way to live in you miraculously through his Holy Spirit to walk with God. You get to experience the life God has for you now, today, walking in surrender to the Holy Spirit. It's not just a transaction. It is a lifestyle. It is a life change. He transforms us through his Holy Spirit. After having placed faith in Jesus, your life is not up and to the right, We who believe in Jesus are still broken daily in need of the gospel, the Holy Spirit, and daily in need of pursuing the Lord and walking in obedience to Jesus with others. So if you have not placed faith in Jesus, I would encourage you to consider he was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. With the claims that Jesus was making, he was not just a moral teacher. He was either a liar, a lunatic, or a or Lord. Paul David Tripp says it really well. He says, um, we Christians are a people in need of change helping people in need of change. We are a people in need of change helping people in need of change. If you are not a member here at Clear Fork or, or of any church for that matter, you need to know that every individual in the church is broken and is wrestling with sin And if they're not saying it, then don't let it fool you, because we all have stuff we're working through. So the saving power of Christ is not just eternal security, but it transforms us on earth. 2 Corinthians 318, 3.18 says, Beholding the glory of God, we are being transformed into his image. That's the same word that they use for Jesus in the Transfiguration. When Jesus reveals himself to Peter, James, and John, that's the same word used of our transformation of the Holy Spirit in us. That's a miracle. The Holy Spirit in us is a miracle. The transformation in us is a miracle. Do you believe that Jesus can heal you? Do you believe that Jesus can transform your heart? I am here to tell you that he can and that God is in the business of changing lives to his glory. Verses 21 through 26. Healed people glorify Christ. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them. Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God." And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. When we read this, we must ask the question, Why did Jesus physically heal this man? Why? Look with me at verse 24. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. What was primary in this scenario was Jesus forgiving this man's sin and Jesus proclaiming and proving that he does have the authority on earth to forgive sin. The physical healing was secondary to the spiritual priorities in this scenario. The priority of the gospel and the priority of spiritual authority to forgive sins are primary in this passage. You you see it in Jesus' response. He doesn't heal the man first. He says, man, your sins are forgiven. He prioritizes his response on what's more important. Um, So son of man was also Jesus' favorite title to use to describe himself in the Gospels. When he is using this title, the Jews knew exactly what he was claiming about himself. The Jews knew the Torah. They knew their Old Testament. When Jesus says son of man, this is what's described of a son of man in Daniel chapter seven, verse 14. I'm just gonna read it. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Jesus was saying, I am the Messiah, and I have authority to forgive sins. So Jesus says to this man, take up your bed and go home, heals him. Immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. Jesus healed this man. God gets the glory, not the four men. Their names are not even mentioned in this passage. Jesus heals him spiritually, heals him physically, and then God gets the glory. I want to be clear. I believe Jesus is still able and powerful enough to heal people today if he permits. But I know for certain that one day, for those of us who have faith in Jesus, we will eventually all Paul says we will be made new. Revelation says that every tear will be wiped away. Isaiah says that the former things will not even be remembered. And there are members among our body here at Clear Fork whose lives have been radically transformed and changed by the gospel, and God gets the glory. So here is what you can expect as you consider biblical community. The cost without it. The cost without biblical community. We are alone. We lack sound judgment. We have no one to sharpen us. We will lack mutual encouragement. We will lack care from others. We will remain blind to our sin. Courageously in community. We love each other as ourselves. We resolve relational conflict biblically. We get to participate in the Great Commission. We bear one another's burdens. We admonish and strengthen each other. We confess sin and heal through prayer. We live in deep relationships together. And lastly, um, I just want to communicate some Challenges to expect in community. Building deep relationships takes time. And that's okay. The speed of trust is different in every individual. And that's okay. The speed of people's willingness to confess day one is gonna be faster and slower in different people. And that's okay. You might have people not as committed People will be on different levels of spiritual maturity. Everyone has experienced community differently. You will have people who disagree with you. You will have relational conflict with others. Expect your group to change by adding or multiplying. Members of your group will grow at different paces. I know a guy personally um, who was hesitant to join a community group seven years ago. Um, he lived 25 years of his life pursuing the world, addicted to pornography, getting drunk, smoking weed, partying, looking for life in the world, in achievement, in worldly success. He lived his life this way for 26 years. He grew up in a Christian home, grew up being told he was a Christian by his parents and, um, didn't truly know Jesus. Jesus. And he was really hesitant to join a community group. In fact, for the first six weeks that his community group met, he no-showed and was constantly reminded by the leader of that group, hey, just a reminder, group's happening again. Um, And eventually, this man came to know Jesus. This man uh, has been healed significantly in these areas, and I am that man. First, and his people with you. I know it's scary, but I want to challenge every individual in the room to consider visiting a community a com, or committing to a community group here at Clear Fork because we were made for community. There's a QR code on the front of your scripture sheets. Fill that out. You'll hear from me in the next couple of weeks. Um, before I close, if your life has been impacted and you've experienced any form of spiritual healing and trans- transformation in community, would you please stand up? For those of you who are visiting with us, if you have a relationship with any of these people, I would encourage you to, to ask them about it. Y'all can go ahead and take a seat. God is at work. Among our body, he is truly, miraculously healing um, his people. And uh, full transparency, I could not find a picture of an isolated sequoia tree. For, for this illustration, totally flopped. But here's just another picture of the beauty of they only show up together. You cannot find them alone. And my prayer would be that the same would be true of every Christian who is called a member of the body. What is a member of the body cut off from the body? It's grotesque. It's confusing. What is an arm without a body? What is a leg without a body? Useless. Not doing its purpose. We were made for community. We were made for relationships and uh, to partner with God in carrying others to the saving power of Jesus Christ. Let me pray that you would. God, I am, my heart breaks for those who are alone. My heart longs for those who are alone to consider the outstanding Life that you can provide through the relationship with Jesus and through your church. God, I pray that they would move courageously toward you and toward your people. And whatever fears those are that are coming up in them, God, I pray they would talk to someone in the room. And that they would um, take the courageous step to consider visiting a community group or committing to one. And God, for those who hurt and are healing from significant uh, fallouts in trying this out, Lord, I pray that you would bring healing and encourage these individuals to move forward and to retrust you and your plan for your people again. We are a people in need of change, helping people in need of change. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to the ClearFort Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, head to clearforkchurch.org. Take heart, Fort Worth. He has overcome the world. We hope to see you soon.